Take your Bibles. If you're not already there, head with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark 10. Let me explain to you that the story we're going to look at today takes place at the beginning of the holiday season. We kind of look at Thanksgiving a lot of times and right around there and we say, okay, that's sort of the beginning of this season. Well, this is not the Christmas season, obviously, but it is the beginning of a very important holiday season for the Jew called Passover. Hundreds of thousands of Jews would come from the surrounding country and they would go toward the holy city of Jerusalem and they would offer sacrifices there. They would take Passover there. They were remembering what God did to deliver them out of Pharaoh's hand in Egypt thousands of years before. When I think of Christmas, I really think of it as a season of celebration, a season of remembrance that God became flesh and dwelt among us. We are celebrating God in flesh. We are celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus. But when we come to celebrations, sometimes we can lose our focus. Have any of y'all been out recently and done any shopping? Have y'all been out there? Has anybody been near like Turkey Creek or um, what's that area? I can't, Cedar Bluff, is that it? Oh my word. People are crazy, y'all. We, we did a Sam's run yesterday. We had to pick up a few things, and we've been on granddaughter duty all weekend. Heather and Parker had some things in North Carolina, so we've had the girls all weekend. And it, it's been fascinating to try to get out and, um, and get around. And so I, I want to ask you a question, and then I'm going to explain it because it might not make sense. Do you have a fruitcake focus? Because I want us today to talk about avoiding a fruitcake focus. I mean, look at that image. Is that not the grossest thing you've ever seen in your life? And I know, I know, I already know what's going to happen today. Somebody's going to come up to me, or you're going to write me, or you're going to say, oh, pastor, you just haven't tried my fruitcake. Let's agree to keep it that way. Let's just, I won't force you to eat my deer jerky, deer meat, rattlesnake, whatever I'm eating. I, you don't force me to eat your fruitcake. I just have this thing about fruitcake and, and it's hard for me to explain, but obviously you guys know what the word focus means, right? You know, that means a central point of clarity, distinctiveness, the center of activity or interest. And so it can be visual, mental, physical, spiritual. How's your focus? And do you have a fruitcake focus? Cause see, I, I'm making the argument that fruitcake is neither fruit nor cake. It does not know what it wants to be. My sweet wife, many years ago, we were at a holiday market. Y'all know the holiday market thing where there's crafts and, uh, I mean, it's just like one of these, okay, we'll go to the holiday market. She comes up behind me. She says, close your eyes and open your mouth. Don't do it, fellas. Don't do it. But I'm younger in marriage. I'm pretty naive. And so I go, okay. And she stuffs this thing into my mouth. And she says, isn't that good? And I begin to chew and I realize I need to find a trash can and I need to find a trash can quick because I got to get this out of my mouth. And I'm like, what have you put in my mouth? And she says, it's fruitcake. It's delicious. And from that day to this day, I maintain it is not delicious. It is grotesque. I mean, y'all look at this thing. Look at this thing right here. Somebody gave me this 25 years ago and it looks no different. (laughs) 
<laughs> Do you see the ooey gooey oily bits in there? Do you see this? This thing is 15 pounds, y'all. 15 pounds. No, it is 1,600 calories, truly, for this little block. And the funniest part about it, it's got this ooey gooey candy stuff in it, and it actually has the funniest phrase ever put on a fruitcake, best buy. It's never gonna be best, it's gross. <laughs> best buy, February 18th, 2023. Believe it or not, after service one, somebody already came up and said, can I please have that fruitcake? And I'm like, well, you need to chalk your boat trailer or what? Why do you want this? But this young lady said, no, I really want that. I'd like to eat that. And so y'all pray for her, okay? Um, I, I promised it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if you're a fan of Claxton fruitcake, world's grossest item ever. No, that's not what it says. Uh, but if you're a fan, I'm sorry, we'll buy you one. But this is an unbelievable thing that doesn't know what it wants to be. It's gross. And the reality is I'm afraid this time of year, especially after getting out yesterday for a few hours amongst the crazies of Knoxville, I'm convinced that it's very easy to be like this and to lose our focus. The reality is you can't focus on this piano. Now you can try, don't do it on the screen, just do it right here. You can't focus on that piano and those two trees at the far side at the same time. If you're far enough away, you may be able to get them both in your vision, but you can't focus on them both. You have to turn toward one or the other. And I'm afraid in all the hubbub, the going and the giving and all of the things that happen, I'm afraid that sometimes we sort of lose sight of the main thing. And in all of the stuff we do, we do good things and maybe miss the best thing. And so for just a few minutes, let's look at a blind man to learn how to see. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. I love this story. I love the characters. Uh, now, the main character, um, another gospel, Matthew's gospel tells us there were two guys. Mark is a quick writer. Mark just goes from one story to the next. And so Mark very quickly just says, there's just this guy and he's crying out to Jesus. Matthew actually says there's two of them, but Mark focuses on the vocal one. And I like this guy. I like him a lot. This is the only thing we know about him from scripture, but I like him. I like his tenacity, his boldness, his commitment, his faith. It says this, now they came to Jericho. So Jesus and some of his closest followers, now he's picking up followers as he travels. Remember, they're going toward Jerusalem. They're going toward celebration of the Passover. Ultimately for him, the last supper, death, burial, and resurrection. But they go to Jericho, we were there last month, and they went out from Jericho with the disciples. Now look, a great multitude's gathering, and blind Bartimaeus. It's funny, because they do this for English speakers, and the original Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. Like um, bar mitzvah means son of the covenant. So when a young man has a celebration, it's a bar mitzvah at 13, he becomes a son of the covenant. Um, so bar Timaeus, son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Of course that's where he would be. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When they warned him then to be quiet, I like this, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. 
I like this too. Throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said unto him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Some of your translations may even say that I may see again. And then Jesus said unto him, go your way, your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus on the road. Heavenly Father, what an incredible miracle we see here. And I pray that as we enter the holiday season, as we go toward Christmas, much like Jesus and his followers were going toward the holy city and toward the Passover, I pray we would not lose sight of what's most important, of focusing on our Savior, focusing on the one who can give us eyes to see, focusing on the one who can heal us, save us, set us on a new path. This man, by all accounts, looked helpless and hopeless there on the side of the road. Many others would have certainly been down that stretch of busy road at that time of year. But this one cried out to Jesus. This one was transformed. Let us be the one as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, three ways to avoid a fruitcake focus. Here we go. We need a definite direction. Give you a second there to get your notes out if you're taking notes. A definite direction. Bartimaeus placed himself in the path, the direction of the people. Where we were yesterday happened to be a place where a number of people do, um, they beg in our area. And you typically don't see people out in a, a rural, hyper rural country setting asking for help. There's not that many people that go that way. And so people that have need, and I'm not here to, to speak to the legitimacy of that or not, but they will place themselves where a lot of people are going to pass by. That's exactly what Bartimaeus did. And in Matthew 20, 30, in the parallel account, it says there were two of these men that were blind. But here, Bartimaeus has a definite direction. I know people are coming this way. I have a need. I'm going to sit here where the people are. A definite direction. Direction. Imagine I put into my GPS that I need to go to Los, Los Angeles. And we were there earlier this year, and I don't really need to go back. But if I were needing to go to Los Angeles, what if my GPS said to me, go west? Well, yeah, that's true. But I would certainly expect Apple Maps or Google Maps or Waze or whatever to give me more explicit instruction than that. Not just a general direction. I would expect them to give me a definite direction, whether it's best to stay on Highway 40 or, or wherever I need to go. The reality is that Bartimaeus recognizes who Jesus is. Don't miss this. The disciples and Jesus are coming out of Jericho. They're heading up to Jerusalem. And blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, sat on the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out very specifically, Jesus son of David, have mercy on me. Now, what was he saying? He recognized Jesus was from the royal lineage of David and therefore the tribe of Judah. He had a recognition. So it wasn't just a peripheral thing. A blind guy was seeing clearly. There are a lot of things you can see peripherally, but you got to focus if you really want to know what you're looking at. The other night, I'm in the deer stand. Well, it was before all the, the, the monsoon set in, but I'm in the deer stand. I hear something right at the edge of the dark, right at what we call zero deer 30. I knew 
This wasn't squirrels. This was deer movement. You could just hear that slow, steady pace. And I hear it on this side. I know it's close, and I'm hearing it. Yep, and then I'm thinking, uh-oh, that's more than one. And I begin to see out of the corner of my eye. Sure enough, that's deer. But it's not until I very, very slowly, carefully turn my head around, I see it's a small buck, a little spike buck, and then another about five, maybe six point just behind it. Too small for me to, to take. I'd like them to get older and bigger, et cetera. And so I typically would not take a young animal. And I'm looking, and it's when I focus on them, and then I'm looking that I can really tell, okay, that's a, year and a, that's a yearling, and that's a year and a half, and, the, and then they're walking they're walking, and I'm just paying attention. And then it was a good hunt. I mean, it was a fun time. If you're a hunter, you understand those moments. It's not about what you take every time. It's about the experience and being there. But in order to really see them, I had to, to focus. I had to look. I had to pay attention. Because I can't, I mean, I can see those trees. And I can if I look at you guys. But once I get to about right here, I can see these trees in my peripheral vision. I cannot see them clearly. I see the lights. I see that there's a small one, there's a large one. But if I really want to inspect, I've got to turn that way. I've got to look squarely at them, and now I can see. I, I wasn't able to tell that one had a brown tree skirt and one had a lighter cream tree skirt. I wasn't able to see the details. And I think this season, a lot of people keep Jesus in the periphery. Oh, I know that's why we celebrate Christmas. Oh, I know that's Jesus's birthday, but I've got to do this, 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 and I've got to go here and I've got to get that. And so Jesus is there, but he's not right in the center. You know, Bartimaeus cried out, Lord, have mercy on me. He knew he was a sinner and he knew he needed the mercy of the Savior. He's like Job who would cry out to God for mercy. He was like Isaiah, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. He was like Peter, when Peter experienced the mighty miracles of Jesus and he fell down and he said, oh, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Bartimaeus says, I need mercy. Lord, please, don't, don't give me what I deserve, withhold what I deserve, judgment, but lavish your love on me, give me what I don't deserve. You know, it's as though he's got this attitude of gratitude as he encounters the living Savior. And I think God wants us to have an attitude of gratitude. But it starts by having our focus in the right place so that we can see what's truly important. I want you to see what's truly important. I couldn't believe this news article that I came across some years ago. I kept it. I keep a lot of stories. I have notebooks and files, and I keep stories so that I can try to put them in messages and share them when I think it's appropriate. There was a family of a worker who was trampled to death in a Black Friday melee that were suing a Walmart in Long Island for a wrongful death lawsuit. And they were claiming that the deep discounts created an atmosphere of competition and anxiety. It led to crowd craze. I'm not going to get into the litigation, but let me say this. There was a six foot five, 270 pound man that died of asphyxiation after being crushed in a Black Friday crowd. Now, 6'5", 270. If you want to just kind of look here, that's similar to my statute, if you just want to check. Now, can you imagine 6'5", 270? And the guy's crushed to death. At least four other people were treated in hospitals, including a woman who was eight months pregnant. Pushed down, trampled over. Authorities suspect that because this guy was as big as an NFL lineman, he was placed at the entrance of the store to assist with crowd control, but it didn't work. 
Hundreds, possibly, news stories said, thousands crushed into the store and they broke through the, uh, the doors, the electronic doors. They either had to step right around him or many of them on him to get to their bargains. Can you even imagine what is going on when people are dying over Black Friday bargains? What is going on when we crush one another because I've got to save that $50. And now, now folks, hear, hear me out here. I'm not saying a bargain's a bad thing. What I'm saying is that it's very easy for even good Christian folk to lose their focus this time of year. We can get caught up in all of the stuff that we just lose what is most important right in front of us. Do we have eyes to see? Do we have ears to hear? Let me repeat, Bartimaeus had a problem with his physical eyes, but I believe his spiritual eyes were 20-20. I believe he saw Christ through the eyes of faith. He cried out to him. He had a definite direction. But you need more than that. You need a courageous commitment. A courageous commitment, 50, uh, 48 to 50. Many of them warned him to be quiet, and, and he says he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. He repeats himself and Jesus stands still and, and then they call to the blind man. Hey, get up, be of good cheer. He's calling for you. Bartimaeus cried out. He shouted. I love the word there, cried out. Kradzo. Let me give it to you in English. Listen to if I anglicize it. K-R-A-D-Z-O. Kradzo. It sort of looks like, a little bit like our English word Crazy. Crazy. It means a loud, a vibrant shout. And then it says when they told him, button it up, be quiet, he did it all the more. He got louder. You find the same root word over in Romans 8 that says to us Christians, Christian, you didn't receive a spirit of bondage to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Kradzo, Abba, Father. We cry out to God boldly, courageously, and he courageously cried out even louder for Jesus' attention when they told him to be quiet. But I'm going to make a claim here and then track with me as I unpack it. If Bartimaeus had only been courageous without being truly committed, he may have missed a miracle. If he had been courageous, hey, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. But if he had not been committed to do something about the cry, then he may have missed a miracle. Think about this. He did not exhibit the woe is me complex. He did not exhibit the victim or the entitlement complex. Now think, he's the blind man. He's sitting by the road begging. He cries out to the Lord for help. And then Jesus stops. It does not say Jesus walked back to him. Details in the Bible are always there for a reason. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The details are there for a reason. It says Jesus stopped. And then Jesus, through his followers, allowed him, if he chose, to come to him to receive what he needed. Bartimaeus could have had a 2022 complex and could have said, I'm not getting up. I'm the blind man. Why don't you tell Jesus to come to where I am? I'm the one in need here. Why would he expect me to get up and go do something? <laughs> but that's not what he did. Because he wasn't only courageous, he was committed to Christ. He was committed to go and do whatever Jesus said go and do. 
I think if he had sat there smugly and said, but I'm the victim here, he should come to me. After all, I can't even see him. I think he may have missed his miracle. And I think, folks, that we too must be courageous when it comes to sharing Jesus this season. We can't be ashamed. We've got to get our priorities in order. We've got to be courageous for Christ. But you can't be courageous without being committed. And you can't be committed without a definite direction. One of my favorite stories ever, many of you have heard it, I'm sure. I've told it through the years. I love it. I think it's awesome. There was an elderly lady in Florida who did her shopping, and upon returning to her car, she found four males in the act of leaving with her vehicle. She dropped her shopping bags. She drew out her handgun. Man, that is my kind of grandma. She proceeded to scream at the top of her voice, and she said, I have a gun, and I know how to use it. Get out of my car, you scumbags. Well, the four men didn't wait for a second invitation. They got out and ran like mad, whereupon the lady, somewhat shaken, proceeded to load her shopping bags into the back of her car. She got into the driver's seat. So shaken, she couldn't get her key in the ignition. Now, for you really young people, cars did have keys that went in ignitions one time. And so she, she was just all beside of herself. She tried and tried and then realized why it wasn't working. Wrong car. Her car was parked four or five spaces down. She feels terrible. She gets her bag. She goes to her car. She immediately drives to the police station. And the sergeant to whom she tells her story nearly splits himself in two with laughter, pointing to the other end of the counter where there were four poor shaking guys reporting a carjacking by a mad elderly woman described as white, less than five feet tall, glasses, curly white hair, carrying a large handgun. And no charges were filed. <laughs> <laughs> you can be courageous, but, but you also got to know which direction your courage is flowing, okay? You got to have a definite direction. See, I, I look at this goobly stuff. See, it's already gotten oilier and goopier since I've been teaching today. It's already, I look at this and I think, this doesn't know what it's supposed to be. I won't mess with it. I've already promised it to somebody. It wouldn't matter if I dropped it on the floor because it's not going to hurt it. I mean, I'm sorry if the young lady's here, but that's not going to hurt anything. I mean... You could beat a man with that. <laughs> it absolutely did not change shape at all. I just want y'all to know. The thing is, though, we don't need to go around hitting people over the head with our large King James Bible, but we do need to show the love and light of Jesus with them in word and deed. We do need to show people that we're focused. We need to show people that the reason we celebrate is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Acts 4.13 that they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They marveled because they perceived they were uneducated and untrained men. And they marveled because they realized they had been with Jesus. And I think when we go out and when we talk about why we celebrate, people marvel because they know these folks have really been with the Lord. They believe what they say. They're not just giving lip service to it. They believe it. Hebrews 13 says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such as you have. For he himself, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? Whom shall I fear? I mean, look, the, the world, you know this, I know this. They want to continue to take the Christ out of Christmas. They want it to be some warm, fuzzy holiday of light, and let's just give gifts and do this and do that. Listen, there's nothing wrong with warm and fuzzy, but if Jesus isn't in the center, then it's not Christmas. Christ doesn't happen 
Christmas doesn't happen without Christ. And when you think about Bartimaeus and what he does and going to the Lord, man, I love this. Bartimaeus throws it all aside. Bartimaeus is like, hey, get this stuff off of me. He's called for me. I'm going. Verse 50, it said, throwing aside his garment, he tossed it. He rose and he came to Jesus. There's no indication of, well, I'm blind. Where is he? Oh, help me, help me. No, no, no. He listened to the voice of the master. He called him Rabboni after all, great master teacher. He heard the voice of the master. The master stopped. The master was willing to give him his attention. He threw aside everything, just like Hebrews says, throwing aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Bartimaeus, though he couldn't see here, could see here, and he ran to his Savior. And he didn't let anybody stop him. While he was a pastor in Indianapolis, Henry Ward Beecher preached a series of sermons about gambling and drunkenness. He boldly denounced men of the community who profited by these things. And next week, Beecher was accosted on the street by a would-be assailant. Brandishing a pistol, the man demanded that Beecher make some kind of retraction about what he had said. Take it back right here, the man demanded, or I'll shoot you. Beecher, the pastor, calmly replied, shoot away. Well, the man was so taken back by the response, he put his gun away. So Beecher turned and began to walk away at that point, saying over his shoulder as he left the scene, I don't believe you could have hit the mark as well as I did. You see, people get upset when we talk about Christ and the exclusivity of him being the only way to be right with God. They get mad at us when we call out sin and call it what it is, calling a spade a spade and saying, look, this is God's standard. It's not that Christianity is a bunch of rules, a bunch of do's and don'ts. It is about a relationship with the God who made us and the God who changes us. But people don't like that because people like doing their own thing. They like making their own way. We're a cynical lot and we think I can do it myself. I'm a self-made man, but none of us are. We need God, and we need Jesus Christ to pull us out of the pit of sin that we find ourselves in. But people are going to be upset about that. Courage in our culture is a willingness to speak and act in order to bring about change. Change in individual lives, change in families, change in neighborhoods, change in cities, change in nations. This kind of message requires courage because it's going to be opposed. Hey, be quiet! Keep still over there. Don't you see we've got more important things to do? Jesus never had anything more important to do than helping the one in need. You see, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 31, 6, to be strong and of good courage, for the Lord your God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That doesn't start in Hebrews. That starts way back in the Old Testament. And it's not enough just to believe something. It's not enough just to think Jesus can do something great for you. You've got to be willing to speak up and speak out and then stand up and move out if you're going to be a truly courageous person. Because you can stand in here all day long and say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But at some point, at the end of this service, you've got to be able to get up and get out and tell them the same truth. Jesus loves me and he loves you too. 
And he's made a way for me and he's made a way for you too. Especially as we prepare to enter Christmas this season, your voice lovingly, consistently, boldly, courageously sounds forth and it reminds the world who Christ is and how he's changing lives, how he's changed your life. In order to avoid a fruitcake focus, we need a definite direction. We need a courageous commitment. But finally, you guys see this in 51 and 52. We need a firm faith. A firm faith. Bartimaeus acknowledges who Jesus is. Rabboni, great master teacher, oh great one. And he doesn't say, if you can give me sight. He knows Jesus can heal him. In the New King James rendering of my Bible, it says, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Some translations are even simpler. They say, I want to see. Or some even say, I want to see again. It may have been, depending on your, your text, it may have been that he did once have sight, but he's lost his sight and he wants it restored. Either way, this guy seems helpless and hopeless apart from a miracle. And so Jesus' response is very interesting. It's not some kind of weird voodoo magic stuff. It's not turn around seven times and say this 20 times and stand on your head. It's just go your way. Your faith has made you well. It's always a question for me. When is the guy really healed? Guys, I'm going to tell you, I think it was when he cried out to Jesus and got up and went. I think the healing was as good as there when he called on the name of the Lord. That's just prayer, by the way. When you talk to the Lord, you're praying. When he prayed, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When he prayed, he got up, he put feet to his prayer. He didn't use any excuses. I can't see, don't know where I'm going. Where is he? No excuses recorded in scripture. And he went and he's healed. Immediately he received his sight. And when Jesus said, go your way, did you notice now he's following Jesus? Because when you really encounter him, your way is actually his way. That's what the Bible teaches. And so when Jesus says, go your way as a child of God, if say, well, Lord, which way are you going? That is my way. Lord, you going north, I'm going north. Lord, you're stopping here, I'm stopping here. This is what Bartimaeus shows us with his firm faith. Matthew 21, 22 says, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. I want you to think about that. Did you believe? Well, obviously he believed because in the moment he asked it, he received our salvation is based on this kind of faith. Belief, even in things we can't see. In fact, Hebrews 11 defines it this way. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Chances are he had never seen Jesus do a miracle. He had only heard the tales. He had heard what had been happening as Jesus went throughout the countryside, the Galilee, of Judah, uh, he, or Judea, he learned that this Jesus had this miraculous power coming from him. This son of David, this Messiah is here. And I've got to put myself in his path. And I've got to cry out to him. You know, many of us at some point of our life have made a decision to accept Christ by faith. But how many of us have truly followed him on the path? That's what disciple means. Disciple means a student or a follower. 
And so this guy is saved, I believe, physically and spiritually because the language means spiritual salvation. Your faith has saved you. I believe he now sees perfectly with all of his eyes, physical and spiritual. And now, as a disciple, he chooses to follow Jesus. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For the one who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm going to go after God. I wrote this over and over in the Bible. People are rewarded for their unwavering faith in and total obedience to God. Bartimaeus is rewarded because he now sees. Bartimaeus is rewarded because now he is a Christ follower. Many through the scripture are rewarded because their hearts are open and their eyes are open. Like Bartimaeus, our faith needs to be firm, immutable, irreducible, consistent. Do you have a fruitcake focus today? Do you need to reevaluate how you put Christ in this season? Where is he? I know he's in the center of your manger at home, but is he in the center of your heart here? Is he in the center of your parties and your focus? Are the things you do really focused on Christ? We need a definite direction, a courageous commitment, and a firm faith. I close with a story that took place as I was thinking between services. It's probably more like 15 years ago. I'd said about 12, but it's probably about 15 or so years ago. It's with my buddy. The first guy we ever baptized in our brand new worship center, he and his son were baptized there. He became a good friend of mine. This guy taught me how to turkey hunt. He taught me a lot about the outdoors. Just a good man, down to earth. He and his wife have been for many, many years overseeing a very large estate for some wealthy folks in North Carolina. And part of the oversight is he's allowed at times to bring friends to hunt and fish. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful property. It's one of my favorite places on the planet. In fact, we need to get back up there and take them up on that cabin offer I was thinking earlier. Um, it's just a beautiful piece of land. There's a 42-acre lake, I believe that's right. And the guy that designed the Hoover Dam, before he did the Hoover Dam, went here and dammed up this mountain lake as a sort of precursor. It looks like a mini Hoover. It's gorgeous. And one night I'm with my buddy Eddie, and uh, we decide to go into an area that I was not very familiar with at all. And I have my bow, I'm, a, I'm bow hunting most of the time at this point. And so I have my bow and I have all my gear in my pack. Eddie takes um, a little boat, like a little John boat thing, a little bitty small mercury or whatever it is on it. And we fire it up and we head across the lake and we pull up the boat and then Eddie walks me into the woods and there's a ladder stand there. He said, it's a great spot. It is bear country. But, you know, at that point, I didn't have a firearm on. You're not typically supposed to carry a firearm during bear season. But I had all my other gear. I thought, I'm fine. And he said, I tell you what, I'll pick you up after dark. It was going to be an evening hunt. No problem. You know, I'll call you if I need anything. No big deal. Well, there's no cell phone service now in this, this area of the mountains. And so we had walkie-talkies back then, the radios. Big problem. I forgot to put new batteries in mine. Completely did that I discovered after Eddie took off and I heard his boat go way on down the lake. And then I began rifling through my bag and I look at my little light. I used to carry a pen light, now I have a headlamp, but it's green, it's a green light because typically doesn't spook um, deer and such. And so I click on my, my light and guess what? It's also dead. 
So now I have no working light, I have no working radio, I'm up in bear country in a place I know nothing about, and um, it's getting dark. I didn't see anything that I wanted to shoot that night, and so when it was really, really dark, I decided best for me just to get down. I get my gear together, I'm coming down, and I hear something that nobody wants to hear when you don't have a firearm, when you don't have a flashlight, when you don't have a radio. I hear the sound, it's unmistakable. It's this, ah, ah, ah. If you don't know what that is, that's a black bear. I heard a black bear coming my direction in the woods, and I'm standing there with bow and arrow, a quiver full of arrows, a ladder stand. I back up against the tree. The ladder's in front of me. I'm back up against the tree. I take an arrow out of my quiver, and I'm standing there like this big goofball in the pitch black thinking, I'm going to poke Smokey if he comes at me. <laughs> what else do you do? I've been in the woods since as long as I can remember, and honestly, it's probably the scaredest I have ever been in my life. I know this thing's in there with me. I don't know if it's mama bear and her cute little cubs are on the other side of me. I have no idea. It's dark, man. And it's black and it's quiet. And I'm sitting there with my arrow like the biggest goober that ever lived with no firearm, no nothing else. And I'm thinking, oh Lord Jesus, I need some help. If you want to increase your prayer life, go into bear country and don't have any bear spray and don't have a fire and don't have anything else and just hold your little arrow and see how you feel about it. And so I'm just praying and I'm praying, oh God, please, I really don't wanna die on this mountain. Lord, I promise, you know, you make promises to the Lord in times like that. You know, I promise I'll change my shorts when I leave and all that, because I'm, I'm scared, y'all, I'm just scared. And anyway, it seems like an eternity. I know it's not. In truth, it's probably about 15 minutes and I hear this faint sound. Now the bear, the breathing, the heart, ah, that kind of bear sound, that's gone. So I don't know where he is or where she is. But I hear this faint sound. It's one of the most beautiful sounds. It's the sound of that little boat engine coming up the lake. And then it stops. I'm telling y'all, I see one of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen in my life. I see a little green light and it's growing and it's growing. It's my savior, it's my hero, it's my buddy Eddie coming to get me off the side of the mountain. And he walked up and of course we began to talk and what happened, I called and called and called and I said, man, my gear's dead, my light's dead, everything, I thought I was dead. I mean, I, it's just, you know, I love that guy because I really feel like that guy saved me that night. And the thing is, I think about that story as I remember telling mutual friends of ours in our church family years ago that story, truth is I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. Why didn't you just take your cell phone and flip it up? But man, we were in the country country. There wasn't a cell phone tower anywhere close by. Why didn't you cut the flashlight on your cell phone? Not all cell phones had flashlights 15 years ago, y'all. I was unprepared. I didn't have a compass. I didn't have a sense of direction. I didn't have a way out. And I feel like there's so many people living in this world right now and they're scared to death. 
They feel like everyone and everything's out to get them. They feel like they're enveloped in the dark and they have no compass. And I'm here to tell you that if you will come to the word of God and trust it, it will be a light into your path. It will be a lamp into your feet. It will be a compass that will give you direction. It will steer you in the way that God wants you to go, but you've got to utilize it, okay? And praise the Lord, it doesn't take batteries. You can open it anytime. And you can get God's direction for your life anytime. I was missing a compass. I was missing a flashlight. I was missing a walkie-talkie. You know, there is a walkie-talkie for people that love the Lord. You know what it's called? It's called prayer. (laughs) Prayer is a way that you can cry out to God. Bartimaeus just said, Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He prayed. And today, if you feel disconnected, you can cry out and you have an instant line of communication. And again, it doesn't take any batteries. It never wears out. Prayer is your walkie-talkie. As Jeff and Melissa come to join me, I want to remind you, you don't have to be fearful. You don't have to feel defeated. You know, that night, I remember, I can still remember how I felt. I truly was scared, and I've rarely truly been scared afield. I've just, it's such a place I'm normally comfortable and confident in, but I was truly scared because I didn't know where I was. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And for some of you, it seems like when we interact and we talk, some of you are truly scared. Some of you really don't know what's happening next. But when it comes to this life and the life to come, I promise you, I am not scared. I'm confident in my Savior. I know that I know that I have called out to him, that he has healed me and restored me, and I'm following him, and yes, I stumble, and yes, sometimes I lag behind, and yes, my bigger problem sometimes is that I seek to run ahead. But I am telling you, there is a great joy and a great confidence in knowing not only the Christ of Christmas, but the Christ of Calvary, the Christ of Easter, the Christ who is now risen. This morning, I would urge you to come to God with a renewed excitement and a fresh commitment to keep the main thing, the main thing this year. Have a definite direction, a courageous commitment, a firm faith, and you'll continue avoiding a fruitcake focus. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.